On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to complete our three-part series on managing remote workers. On today's show, we're going to talk about how to develop remote employees so that they can move your business forward, how to best onboard them, and how to set amazing expectations. That's next. Welcome to Bootstrappers, a unique program designed to help make your business better. From property management to remote workers, Bootstrappers is here to help your business succeed. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. So let's lace up those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. Welcome to this episode of Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that are important to real estate entrepreneurs and people in property management. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, and I'm here with my lovely lucky lady lovely got this guy with her jeremy aspen and i'm really excited about this show this is a three-part series and we're talking about how to develop and manage remote employees and this will be the third of three in the series and the reason we're dedicating so much time to it is because it's imperative and especially in our industry it's an important topic right now with a lot of people working from home yeah and we want our clients of course to have uh, a better chance of success which is the reason that we're doing Doing these shows because over the course of time we are picking up on what are the things that um, t- turn into best practices yeah. to help make sure that uh, you can more easily succeed. Uh, this is Bootstrappers powered by Anaquim and we help transform and scale your business, improve profitability. It can be virtual assistance, it can be after hours call center, it can be the maintenance hotline, leasing, or just full blown back office support. Whatever it is you need in property management, Anaquim has got your back. So in past shows, uh, we went over a number of things that are important when managing remote teams, and I just want to cover what's in there. There are links in the show notes uh, to those two um, past shows, but um, some big topics. One is building trust with team members on the front end and getting to know them personally, and we talk about how this actually saves you money. Drivers, people like me and Jeremy who want to get things done, Sometimes it takes an extra level of discipline to make time to really get to know people. But what we have found is when inevitably you come across misunderstandings or have problems, going back to that strong base of trust and strength in a relationship prevents drama in the future and major problems that will cost you well, money. And acknowledging that in a remote world, you don't have those uh, normal contact points like the water cooler. You do have to artificially instill those into the DNA of your company, lest you not have those personal connections and of course. Quick uh, examples of that would be having daily huddles, making sure three to five minutes at the beginning of meetings, you're just talking to people about their lives, having happy hours, those kinds of things. Celebrating birthdays. Also, uh, seeking first to understand because there's a lot of misunderstandings when people work remotely. Yeah, and a lot of the times our first idea of what the problem is is not true. And when we seek to understand, um, we under we more easily come to a positive conclusion of what is going on in the other person's head, and it ends up making the relationship stronger rather than weaker most of the time. KPIs, setting KPIs, setting goals, making sure that they understand what it is they're supposed to do, uh, how trusting but verifying uh, what you're told about the work product is also essential, and having a culture of using webcams. That is actually seems a, almost a little bit silly, but it's all too often you just make a phone call to somebody and, and there's not that 
you can pick up on so much more through a video cam. Yeah, and I think a lot of, I did see somebody on Facebook yesterday complaining about video cam culture with remote working. Um, and it can be controversial, but if you're going to have long-term success with a remote relationship and there's no future deadline where you're gonna be in the office again altogether, this is the number one way you can build a true, lasting, trusting relationship. And importantly, those are not the only good tips that uh, you can glean or know about when it comes to remote professionals, and that's what from this last, one is from. Well, and, and there's more in those last two episodes, including best practices with security, um, but just go to the link below and find those there. Uh, but today, I kind of want to talk about something that has recently been a pretty big game changer for our company and I hated it at first I'm gonna admit it she hated it but um, we started chagrin. using a software called LastPass and Jeremy since you're the one who found it and insisted that we use it why don't you tell everybody oh well, so we had a security uh, we were looking into some security protocols for all of our passwords business. essentially well I was looking for other stuff they brought in um, a company came in they made a proposal for the security feature but one of the things that they mentioned during their presentation was that they used LastPass. so at the end of the presentation I kind of uh, drilled into that a little bit to try and understand it better and really what it is is it's a central location for usernames and passwords and why that's useful um, and secure is because well, right now matter of fact the other day I was in with a, I was on a call with a client and it was on uh, zoom and so they went to a notepad with their username and passwords for all of their all of their all of the access to their different um, portals well if you're a hacker, that's the first place you're going. Because one, it's- Well, you mean notepad in the computer. Right, yeah, notepad okay, okay. in the computer, which is uh, no safer than actually writing your username and passwords on a notepad. So, um, so the notepad is super dangerous. And so I told them about this. Uh, what LastPass will do is it'll house the username and the password. You can, you open up. So here's my routine in the morning. I open up my LastPass, and then from there I open up my different portals: email, uh, bank account information, all that stuff. Portals, and you can also save password, uh, notes, social security numbers, anything that's sensitive. You just save it right there, and you can deploy it whenever you want. But it's super encrypted. I mean, there's some downsides well, to this. Well, and here's the benefit with employees: so you can have, like, <laughs> historically, and companies or in organizations that we've pre previously worked in, the passwords were stupid, like. Uh, A B C one welcome, two three. Welcome one two three or five, you know something like That's, that. <laughs> so with LastPass, self, you could have really, <laughs> you could have really hard passwords and you don't have to tell any of the employees what the passwords are. Yeah, so that's so actually the cool thing. you send them an invite and they never see the password. So if you have to fire somebody, then you just go into LastPass and turn them off in one location. You don't have to think, wait, were they in HubSpot that one time? Or were they in this software? And then you have to change all the passwords. And if you're not using LastPass, you change all the passwords. Now no one in your company knows how to get into anything. Yeah. It's such a mess. So this is a it is a pain in the butt to get started. But once you get in the habit of using it, it's pretty awesome and it just makes you that much more sophisticated and secures your company that much more. And 
like let's just use the bank account because some of our employees do have access to the bank and the bank can have some pretty sensitive stuff in it obviously in this case you you send them the link they click on the button it opens it up it inserts and the password. in only a view only function it can be um or or it doesn't have to be it can be whatever their job requirement needs but whenever you um but then they click on it it opens up and they never know the username or they never know the password and that's important it is it really is okay so i want to go on to some other topics that are important i want to talk about the importance of onboarding new employees well because some of our clients well this is perennial this is every everybody's issue and and i'll say this everybody that's listening knows it's important and also everybody that's listening almost everybody that's listening knows that they don't do a very good job of it yeah so no you're not alone if you struggle in this at all but let's just talk about let's just line up the problem here so someone quits and let's just say it's july it's the height of the busy season in property management it's an unexpected unexpected quit you're overwhelmed anyway and now you're down a person so you hire somebody quickly and you're like i need you to start tomorrow if you are not organized with that onboarding it really sets bad precedence for the rest of the relationship and even makes it likely that that person won't work out. So I liken it best in our industry to uh, having a poor move in. Yeah, oh my it's God. the same thing. So if a tenant moves in and the place is dirty, there aren't, let's say their fire alarm is missing or, or just fire detector or whatever, things are not done well, and it's disorganized, maybe they get the wrong keys. We all know the rest of that relationship is a disaster. And it, what happens is they anything that goes wrong, it's a pile-on effect. What were you gonna say? And, well, so like at Wistar Group, and this is, you know, years ago, whenever we would discover that, okay, this was a bad onboarding of a tenant, we actually made a policy years ago of giving them, if they wanted, giving them the deci- the choice, make letting them have the de- uh, make a decision as to whether or not they wanted to stay or not. Because if they did have a bad mm. um, a, a bad onboarding, it's not. Gonna it was get so better. expensive. It's they so call expensive. all the time. And, Every call stressful. And we even paid the client for the time that they should have otherwise been there because because it saved you money in so the long run. Less expensive because those tenants end up being a problem forever it's they're jaded and it sticks all the way through the relationship god forbid it goes on for more than a year because you have the same problem year two three and four they hate you and that's kind of the same idea with a remote with any employee so let's walk through if the onboard goes poorly what happens with an employee so basically what it would look like is they come on board they don't have the tools. There's not training organized for them. They don't know who to go to for the training because they never met anybody in the company. And what it starts out is that they it makes them not respect the job right from the beginning. It makes them lazy because there's so much downtime. They think their job is waiting right on the, the front end, which is really bad. And then it also sets a tone that incompetence is allowed in this position. Like, just be totally incompetent. It's totally fine. You can get paid for just doing a mediocre to terrible job and we don't care and so all those things set up the relationship for failure and just to kind of frame this a little bit 
we all in this industry, well, in business generally speaking, it's not like we're always we're, we're it's a rarity that any other industry is always putting out fires, but we do. Every day we wake up, a lot of what we do is putting out fires. Just keep in mind that if you don't dedicate time to your new employees, remote or not, then there is going to start being a compounding effect just like the way it works with interest. It's an emergent system. You have one little problem here, like you can't get to them. They have half of a day that's wasted. Okay, you've set the tone. They understand that maybe they're not gonna be all that busy. They're also, the remote or the employee is gonna feel a little destabilized because what did they get themselves into? Is this company actually all that um, um, organized? And if it's not, well, my future doesn't look as yeah. Things start to pile on really quickly and you start to lose uh, the equity that you could have otherwise built by spending time with them. So e my point is that even if there is a fire that you're putting out, let that fire burn if you have to. Oh, okay. So the fire might be less expensive than not. The fire, the, letting the fire burn is going to be less expensive than letting it. Uh, Let, letting the onboard go mm -hmm. poorly. Interesting. I, I like that that point of view. Unless it's actually a fire. But here's the other thing that we can <laughs> it's do. Actually, ahead a of fire. Put that out. <laughs> Here's the other thing that we can do. So people often don't put a lot of effort into their processes and procedures that they don't use very often, like onboarding. So if you're a small company, what? You're gonna onboard, what, two people a year? So you're like, uh, I'll figure it out when I get to that point. But um, if you're really organized about it, then you don't put up with bad behaving employees because you're afraid of letting them go. So that's a big thing. And you know that when you onboard someone, you give it the best chance of success. So I really recommend that people put effort into just writing down a good onboarding practice. So let's talk about best practices. Have a list of all the tools that this person's going to need. So if you're anything like us, you use way too many softwares, but you need to give this person access to all of them. So just have a list of all your softwares so that when you have a busy day, you're onboarding someone, um, and you know you've got to get it done so maybe it's at night, you don't have to think about it. You just go down your list and give them access to everything. Also have, pass. Um, in the software, this is actually something you need to talk about. You're really good at having job titles in the software so the privileges are set up ahead of time. Can you talk about that? All right, so at least in Rent Manager, we have roles. Roles. Right? And so you assign people to roles. And in the roles, you can assign the privileges or the reports. So what they can see and what they can't see. The dashboard, the ribbons, the filters, everything can be done at the role level. So that whenever you hire somebody for a position, you assign them the role. After you've given them the username and password, you assign them the role, and they automatically have access to everything that they need, that they need and nothing that they don't. And nothing that they don't, <laughs> which is a very important part of it. If they do not need to see the financials to your property management company, then don't give them access to the financials of your property management company, yeah. because all that could do is maybe cause and problems. And don't let them see credit card information or social security numbers right. and things like that, because especially if they're remote, they should not have access. Never to assign privileges at the user level. Never. And if your software doesn't let you have privileges, get a different software, get a different software package, for sure. Um, because the other thing is that if they change roles, which often happens with remote professionals, uh, they, they get promoted. Okay, well now they need additional role. They need additional responsibilities. And if you, let's say you let somebody go in that role, now you just assign them this remote professional, the new role for privileges to, in that role, and it's all done. 
Everything's it's really done. easy. It's a lot easier. So another thing is have your job description linked to all the processes and procedures that this person is responsible for. This is awesome because when you're training them, that job description becomes your checklist. Like, okay, now, do you agree that you're proficient in applications? Check it off the list. Now we're on to the next process or procedure. Also, if they quit abruptly, you can make sure no balls are dropped in the transition of finding a new person. You can make sure all those procedures are allocated to different people and you're sure what they did and what they didn't do. Why are you laughing? Because at 50 years old, you say something like balls drop and it just, <laughs> it would be a great opportunity for me to I feel like I do this. I'm not going to do it. Every show, I say something that you take as a sexual innuendo, and I never know no. I'm doing it. No, it's it's not sexual. It's just it's like getting old joke, like your balls. <laughs> anyway, you don't. It's not for this show. Okay, all right. Okay, and then the next one is um, oh, outline things that need to be covered when you onboard someone. So I'm going to tell you when I onboard U.S. employees, which I don't do as often as people in Mexico. I have an outline of things that I have to go over about culture and how the company works or whatever. Um, and it's not like beautiful, but it works. And then I cover everything I need to with any US onboard. And um, it gives me so much more confidence when I'm going through the process. I think that just the confidence of being organized is worth getting things done on the front end. And some good things to go over and have in your onboarding would be like history of the company, your org chart, culture. Values. Uh, meeting, and culture is more than just your values. It's like, what's your meeting cadence? Um, I'm calendar driven, so I'm like, if you want to meet with me, you have to give me a calendar invite. Which, by the way, I, know, I don't think we've mentioned it in any of these um, series, but traction for your meeting. We've never mentioned it. Not one time. (laughs) But do it. Oh my God, traction is just something like it. Having a cadence, which you mentioned, uh, to your meetings is really the only way Having effective meetings is the only way to make sure that your business can move forward. And then setting expectations. Like be, for us, being on time to meetings is really important because other it's expensive for people to be waiting. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity. To, it's, it's anecdotal. When I used to live in Mexico, I had a team. Um, and when I first got there, uh, I had gone through the training. Like, hey, you have to understand that they are a little, they are, you know, and the culture in Mexico is to be a little bit late and behind. Um, so I had some employees, we were doing a meeting, it was a Monday morning meeting, and they showed up about 15 minutes late, and I, I just let them know that I, while I do understand that's part of the culture, I don't care, I, and you don't have to, and that's kind of my point. If the company culture is that you do things on time, then you have to find people that, can, that fit that culture. You can't really even force it. Make sure people know that that's the expectation. That's an expectation. And setting expectations on the first day sets you up for success. And then people might quit that day. But that, they might quit. But that's fantastic because you know ahead of time. And you you just, you've not invested any money into right. developing them. Um, so so it, you, you don't have to accept people being late, even though, I, even especially in international business management coursework when I was in college, they said you just have to learn to accept it. Uh, be cool, one. but you don't have to accept it. Okay, another one for us is even though mo- almost everybody at Anaquim works from home, we always expect people to dress for success. I mean, we do have that expectation. You're gonna be on camera, don't look like you just rolled out of bed. Honesty is 
crazy important to us. If you're not telling me the truth about the business or something going wrong, that's a huge, huge problem. And that's part of our culture as, all, as well and an expectation. And omission is a version of lying, as is doing something you're not certain about anyway, which is another kind of lying. I actually saw this today with that client I was on. We had, uh, there was an employee that had gone in and done something that they thought looked probably right, but they they made an they made an expense instead of it being an expense they put it in as an asset so it didn't hit in the profit and loss and it was something like a thirty thousand dollar transaction. You, you can't do that like just because it says equipment does not mean that that's the right chart of accounts. For instance, right? Mm-hmm. So know what you make sure that they need to know that they are going to be held accountable for doing things well, not best guess. Another one is that uh, being prepared for meetings is important to us. As Jeremy mentioned, we are a traction company, and so everybody's key, uh, key performance indicators have to be in the software before the meeting, and that is an expectation that you're prepared and you're ready. Um, another one would be that we, we do have a work-life balance culture. Yeah, for sure we do. But at the front end of the relationship, you kind of just need to be there. Well, it's a lot like, easier you to You kind of earn it over time. We're super cool. Well, but. and we also filter for people that don't have a life so that the balance is far more on the on the work side. That's not true. We actually I was do. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we actually do like, um, you know, we all, we get this one life to live. You can't, you can't beat people into the ground and, and squeak every, no. squeeze every bit of energy. And we let them. people go to their kids' stuff. But at the front end, we need to build trust. We need to build a culture of responsibility. So like, let's do that first. And then sure, go to whatever event, take time off. I get it. And not be taken advantage of. And not be taken advantage of. That's important. So another thing that's important to me, but I don't think it's as important to you, but anyone working directly for me knows that dependability, like being available real time is kind of important to me. Like if your job is to be in front of your computer, I want to be able to instant message. Oh, I know you don't yeah, instant I hate that. message. But so two schools of thought on that, right? And okay, one so is, go through yours because... One is yours, one is mine, and this is why I'm right. <laughs> the, uh, so what you're referring to is, what I, how I look at that is you've got, you've got Hangouts, you have Messenger, you have text messaging, we have email, we have phone number, we have phones. There's a myriad of ways of getting a hold of people. Um, what I try to do is make sure that only one or two of those ways work. And what I mean by one what or are two, your two, one or one or two ways. email mm -hmm. and phone in the case of an emergency, because usually I don't even answer the, my phone during my cell phone during the business day. I'll answer my business phone because that's the way it goes. That's what business phones are for. But my cell phone, I don't answer it during the day unless I recognize it. Okay. One, I'll have to happen to see that it's somebody that's trying to get a hold of me and it's probably an emergency because they know my rules um, or I'll use it to call them if it's an emergency. But otherwise, they have to get through me through one way because then one, with email, it's documented. Um, you can see that they're trying. It also makes sure that they understand that they're not always uh, able to reach out to me when timing is of the yeah. essence because that's putting out fires. Well, that's fires. how instant message, so no one, I don't even like phone calls. Instant, instant message would be more would be preferable to me to phone call. I have literally emergency. responded to people on their mess on the instant messaging two and a half months later. I think the point of this is know yourself and tell your employee how to interact with you for success. And that's the point of this onboarding discussion. And tell, like, and explain to them, this is how we are going to communicate. This is how we're gonna relate. 
and and it, letting people know on the front end will set you up for success. So the reason I do it the way I do it is because I like to have my day organized and do the things that I want to do when I want to do them. And I do not think it's appropriate for people to be able to reach out and start to decide what my day is going to look yeah, like. You're very disciplined though. Very disciplined. At that. I, I, so if I you're going to do it, I don't do it like her it. way. <laughs> do it my way. Okay. So one <laughs> other thing that's really important for people to understand is the true reason why they're hired. When people are hired to work with me directly, they're hired to reduce my stress level, which means that if they are given a responsibility, I need to know that that responsibility is taken care of. Once I lose the trust that the responsibilities that I've handed off are not going to be taken care of, that's when your job's in trouble. People need to know that on the front on the very first day. If I can trust that I gave you something and it will be done, we are good. We don't have a problem. Once I can't trust that, we have a problem. Your job is for me not to do your job. Yeah, or to walk this is my biggest nightmare. If I'm driving home from work and I'm wondering if you did your job, we have a problem. You're on a list. But that's a really great thing to tell somebody on the first day. If people know the expectation, they will rise to the expectation. And you can still care about people and have high expectations. Matter of fact, there's a point to make that you are probably demonstrating that you care about somebody more by giving them more of that responsibility because the likelihood that you're going to have to end up paying them more in the future is a lot higher, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because so they're becoming more useful. Um, another thing that's important in onboarding is if you're someone's direct manager, just tell them your weaknesses on the front end. Don't make them have to guess. Be like, I suck at email management. I'm not super organized and you may have to remind me of things. Those are my weaknesses. Sometimes I'm rude in emails because I just get to the point. Uh, and then and, people and like, be- won't worry about it. They'll be like, oh, she told me she was rude. This is an email that's straight to the point. She told me that on the front end. You know, I'm not gonna spend all day stressed out that I'm getting fired because she wrote you know, just exactly what needed to happen without a, a nice first line or last line. Well, if I'm being honest, sir, I think my biggest weakness is that I work too hard and care too much. Don't do no, that. No, but one. like, but, <laughs> don't do but that I think one. managers need to be honest about their weaknesses on the front yeah. end. It also creates a culture of honesty, which you don't want people lying to you when they work yeah. for you. Yeah, if they, that they know you know you're not perfect is humbling and it all it humanizing, and it's just easier to work with people like that. So let's talk. So we just talked about onboarding and how to onboard for success. I want to talk about offboarding because one of the biggest problems with remote professionals is we don't onboard them correctly, we don't train them correctly, and then we fire them super fast. Very common. And I say we, I mean like as an industry. People uh, fire remote professionals at a faster pace and have less of a tolerance for the learning process or mistakes than they do a domestic employee. Well, and they think, I believe that that might be because they think it's less expensive to have mm. to have um, high turnover. High turnover in a remote world. It's not because the people, generally speaking, the people that are training that person are, are paid. the highly paid, more highly paid people, usually in the United States, that are doing the training. So the cost of turnover is identical. Mm, that's yeah, such a good point. Yeah, you've got to do that. You've got to make sure that you're dedicating the time to the employee because they're an employee, not differently because they're not there. And because frankly, this is the world we're in now. If you're not good at operating remote professionals or virtual assistants, then you're also not able to manage 
your normal, your historically normal, I don't know how we're going to refer to them. Uh, domestic employees. D- domestic employees or your resident employees because it's kind of the same thing now. And it is a little bit more work managing remote workers because you have to Absolutely. be more disciplined. You have to be more disciplined, more organized, and be thoughtful about creating a relationship of trust. And it just takes a lot more uh, forward focus and discipline. I don't know how else to say discipline. discipline. Well, it's it's understanding what you need to do and then having the discipline to do it. And I'm telling you, the companies that are going to succeed on a go-forward basis are going to be the ones that know how to operate remote professional virtual assistants. Uh, well. That's well. Yeah, it's going to be a key component of business on a go-forward basis. And so if you find yourself having higher turnover in your remote team, you're in trouble. Yeah, and I would say people look at their management success. If they have high turnover at, with people in the office, sometimes they think, well, I have to put less effort in with remotes. This will be better for me. But if you're bad at managing people in person, you're going to be really bad at managing right. people remotely. Yep. And we, we pro- Not the other way around. And we probably turn away as much business as we take on because if we pick up on them not probably being good at managing people, then there's a very good likelihood it's that it's, it's not a long-term relationship yeah. with us because they're not going to pull it off. So I want to tell on myself and my once I have a story where I was a really bad manager because I had this remote professional about five years ago and oh, yeah. I was managing her. <clears throat> at Were you Wistar. ruined her life, that one? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, yes. I think about her all the time. So it's about five years ago, I was managing um, the customer service team. And I was not honest about her lack of success or her weaknesses in the role. I was, I was telling her, but I said it in such a nice way, you couldn't blame her for not realizing that she was getting close to being fired. And then she was shocked when she was fired, which is essentially me ruining her life. I have never forgotten that. And then I since saw a TED Talk, and I can't remember who it was or what. T-E-D. <laughs> but um, I saw this TED Talk where they were like, it's not nice to not tell people the truth. And I really had to reflect on my desire to be liked which was really, it's still important to me and I always have to remind myself, like my job as a manager is not to be liked, it's to manage people well. And sometimes that means them not liking you at the end of the day. Um, So being very clear about somebody not succeeding in a role is important with remote positions as it is with domestic positions. And People avoid conflict and they avoid saying hard things and they don't like being uncomfortable and telling people the truth. But when we fire people and they're shocked, we have to recognize that that is a failure on our part as managers, not their part. No one should be shocked when they get fired. And if they are, it's it's the manager's fault. And if you're holding them accountable and you're going through these procedures correctly, you're going to be able to front load your knowledge of whether or not this person is a good fit. And um, no remote teams are going to succeed when we avoid problems or avoid conflict. So I just think it's a really important point. Another important point is that using a software like we talked about at the beginning, LastPass, when you offboard Mm -hmm. people, you're, because they don't know any passwords or anything, it's super easy to just get them out of LastPass, then they don't have access to anything. 
And then you're not spending all day trying to th- change passwords and think of what they have access to. And you're not exposed. You don't have to worry about them having had the usernames and passwords in their browsers, which they very otherwise very likely would. Oh yeah, get. that's interesting. Yeah, those passwords yes. stick around for a you're long time. You're right. They time. have like a cache of passwords. They have a cache, and if you don't remember to change the password, you are. Mm, okay and also i mean in our industry we're responsible for a lot of private information so we can't be lackadaisical about trust accounts i mean you can you get into a trust account boom there's hundreds of thousands of dollars millions of dollars i'm having stress even though it's not happening just talking about it okay so we went over onboarding offboarding and important things there. I also want to talk about developing people. There's a huge misunderstanding in the industry and working with remote professionals in a general business sense that people who are from other countries or work remotely, people that you never meet in person, that they cannot be developed at the same rate or with the same skills as an employee in your office. And this is a huge problem because we're losing the potential of these amazing people who have, they want to learn how to be better business people. They want the experience. They want more responsibility. And we're just not utilizing their skill set when we have this limited mindset. And I kind of think that that is a hangover from back in the day uh, where, well, actually, even the term virtual assistant it implies that this person is really just there to do menial tasks. And that's why we don't use the word. I think that that is a hangover from in the day where we weren't such a global economy and we were just starting using remote labor in other places. It is. It's a hangover from, from... Along, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Right, and and it, it does not have to be that way. And we actually changed the name to a remote professionals so that we could start off with a framing of what they are. I mean, you think about that word that I came up with, that, that title. You're brilliant. Remote, brilliant. Brilliant. Remote professional, I mean, okay, it, it, it understands that they're not with you, that they are overseas, they're, they're somewhere else. And though it, tells you and everybody that they are professionals, yes. which is not the same as assistant. You can have assistants that are professional, but being a professional, is if you're looking for uh, people to hire and you're hiring professionals, it helps frame, it helps them understand the way that they need to be treated. And like the way they need to act. And the way that they need so, to act. So let's talk about they how to develop right. them. So there is a book on our website about that, like an actual manual you can hand to people. Uh, that helps you oh, your develop book. them. Okay, yeah, you it's, wrote my, it. it's my ebook. It, I'll, there will be a link to it. But one of the big things that, that I want to talk about here is we should give remote professionals operational tasks. But I'm a believer that each person should have a quarterly goal, at least one, one to three, that they are responsible for, and that helps them develop their business acumen and be more valuable to you. So everybody at the company is responsible for moving the business forward who's on the business side of things. And um, so we do that through traction. But when we're starting with people who are maybe entry level, you might have to spend a little bit more time helping them create milestones for that job. So I'll give you an example at Aniquim. Uh, we had a process for the for um, the annual review process that HR had to manage. I wanted someone on the team to 
mirror what we wanted to do in our software. So create the process in the software so it was easy for managers to manage. Um, using service issues and then um, memorize tasks and whatever. So that kind of thing. Now, the person I put in charge of it kind of looked at me like deer in headlights, like I don't really get it. What am I supposed to do? And so we had a meeting and we outlined the project. We created timelines for each milestone and helping her outline it helped her succeed with it. Sometimes when things are too amorphous, people can't get started. So that's my advice when you give somebody one of the projects. But I love projects. It really does help them move the business forward. As owners, we don't have to do everything ourselves. We can rely on our teammates to help us move things forward. And then if you get sick, like I have recently, then man, they can really manage Well, and again, then they're developing here. themselves and they're gonna be in a better position to ask for more money later, which, by the way, when that happens, as long as they're not trying to hold you hostage, but when you have an employee that asks for more money or deserves more money and they're worth it, that's a success. That's a success. So then we hold people accountable with these quarterly goals through the traction process. We use a software called uh, 90. And do you want to run through the uh, meeting cadence? Yeah, so, okay, this is just, ba you can actually alter it a little bit, but basically you just go over five minutes with everybody in the room, you tell them about any good news that they've had since the last meeting. Just something to kind of set the tone for the meeting. I, I met a girl. And I'm really excited about her if you're single. I mean, you we would say, say stuff like that, though, in our meetings. That's not a terrible Yeah, no, example. they would say that. I mean, the single people. Yeah. I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> that would. Um, clear the air. So you just make... This is something we do. This isn't traction, I don't think. We go through the room and make sure that nobody has any beef with anybody else in the room. Which it's is awesome. important. And we it's, talked it's, about it in one of the other oh, okay. shows. All right. So we don't have to um, it too We much. go over the measurables. And really, all we do, we take five minutes to look and see what the measurables were for the for the last week. Did we meet them, beat them, or fail? And if, if we failed, move it over to an issue, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and then we go over headlines. Uh, so anything, any big news about clients or employees. We then go through our rocks, which are the big kind of quarterly audacious. Goals. Those are the quarterly, quarterly goals. goals. And those are the things that you're trying to achieve in that three month period. And everything that the that these traction meetings are designed to help you accomplish, essentially. Um, and then you go over the to-dos that you which were supposed to- Which take one or two weeks. Which would take one or two weeks that are designed to help you accomplish getting those rocks. So those are like the small things done. where um, it's like, did you sign us up for that conference? Yeah. Those, so that you hold people accountable and actually make sure those small things get and done. And you go over it every week. And that, so all of those take five minutes. And then you get to the nitty gritty, you get to um, the issues. And what the issues are is you, you uh, IDS, which is to have the, to, to figure out what the, identify, um, Discuss. Identify, discuss, and solve. Sorry. I'm like talking no, was, for you. We're so I, married. I'm finishing your sentences. Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the IDS portion. And that's the fun part because that's where you, you've somebody has identified that there's an issue or a problem that needs to be taken care of. And you have, all, you have this brain trust of people, and you go through it. You figure out what needs to be done. If something needs to be done in the next week or two, you make it a to-do to be done next week which next week, of course, you address, make sure it's done, and you're that much closer to having this problem solved. The last part is that we honestly discuss how the meeting went. So if it started late, we talk about, we might, so we score it on one to 10. 
And I'm not going to give it a good score if we start late. Um, if someone's ab- people aren't really supposed to be absent unless they have a really good excuse. So if someone's absent, you know, we might mark it less uh, favorably. Um, if people are sugarcoating things, then that would we would say, hey, I think we kind of sugarcoated it. Or if we're really honest and someone got kind of deep, maybe they got a little heated. I always say, I'm so glad you did that. That was really honest. Yeah. That that is what we need in these meetings, and I encourage that. But I like to have a little bit of time at the end to talk about how the meeting went. Also, tangents are bad. Uh, which I have a tendency because I hate rules. So I have a tendency to like not go on the agenda, and it's a poor yeah. Choice. And then somebody's got to be there to keep things on track, and that's what like the scribe. <laughs> they're supposed to be a scribe or the person that's running the meeting, which those shouldn't be the same person, by the way. Uh, that's what they need to do. Like when people start to spin off into something else, just like let's bring it get back. Bringing it if back. you need to talk about that other topic, they put it on the issue list, and you can get to it after whenever it comes into the priority the list. The point about talking about this is this: it, these weekly meetings are how we get our employees who are remote engaged in what we're doing, and also able to accomplish big projects that move the business forward. It's through these meetings that that happens, and that is how we're developing our remote staff to be as successful as anybody who's domestic. And just being organized in this way really helps the remote workers be an integral part of your business in a way that they can't be unless it's or we found organized uh, in this. Yeah, if you don't have meetings like this, you're just not going to have as effective a business. Like it's it's wildfire. And it's just that's what everybody's doing these days. In entrepreneurs' organization, people are and like everywhere. With it. Yeah, EO, YPO, all those groups, of course, do it, and they're all successful. It's not. It's not happen chance. Um, this is something you have to, it is the discipline. This brings the discipline to your company. If there's one thing we could talk about this whole show, is just get 90, read the, read the book, read like, the book, figure it out. And, and just and having a disciplined, disciplined approach and being organized is what is going to make your business less stressful and make your remote employees more successful. And it's just better. I don't think this is the first time Matt, our producer has heard this thing about traction or no, not. I don't no, he's, think, I he's think he's new heard to this. this he's like, Okay, so um, (laughs) I want to talk about one more thing that's been probably the most personally satisfying, fun thing about having remote professionals from Mexico is bringing them to the United States. That's fun. So at Wistar Group, we usually brought at least one or two, and maybe we still do this, and I'm just not aware of it. Christmas. and it, maybe it's because COVID, we haven't done it, but Didn't, have yeah. people come to the U.S. for our Christmas party, and our Christmas parties at Wistar Group are kind of freaking amazing. Yeah, we fun. have like a chili cook-off, which I did win one year, and <laughs> even though I'm a terrible cook, but for whatever reason, that one chili was really good. And we have them up, we take family pictures, we have a great time, but what's really important business-wise is taking them to Lowe's if they're in maintenance, so they can see like some of the materials we use. That's oh, been yeah. very successful. Having them even feel how cold it is if they're in customer service gives them respect when someone says, hey, heat's out. They're like, oh, that's a really big deal. That's like, cold. Even having them when someone says like the parking lot is icy to be like, this is ice. Look, you could kill yourself on this thing. And if you really want to teach them fast, uh, bring them here during the polar vortex where it's minus 40 <laughs> degrees. Works like, every time. I want to go back home. But that's been great. Another thing is just going to Mexico brings so 
much joy to my life and we've had a lot of clients do that as well at the end of the day it's all about relationships uh and like for it instance really one of the tricks uh, that doctors use it's not a trick it's just the way it is that they do not get sued if the patients like them they do get sued if the patients don't it's black it's and just white. It's really good business practices to... If you're an underwriter for insurance of doctors, that's the biggest question you can find. Do the patients like the doctor? So that's a great segue because the book giveaway, because we always give books um, to the most insightful comments on YouTube. Um, our book today is The Trillion Dollar Coach, The Leadership Playbook of Silicon Valley's Bill Campbell by Eric Schmidt. It's an excellent book about having high standards and caring about people personally as a management okay, style. Okay, that's a segue. I was like, I don't, I'm no, not getting the segue. No, see, that's, so, that's, a, so that's, that's a good segue. Okay. Our best way to succeed with remote employees is to create a great relationship where you do really care about one another and having high standards and being organized, managing those standards through an organized process. I would say that that's really when we come down to successful companies that do this well, that's what it comes down to. Would you agree? I would agree. So if you are a fan of the show, please share with your friends, like and subscribe on YouTube, leave us a nice message, a review. We'd love the feedback and we will send the book, The Trillion Dollar Coach to the most insightful comment. So I think that's a wrap. Thanks that for watching us. That is a wrap. We appreciate you guys. This has been Bootstrappers, a unique presentation designed to help you better understand how the world turns. Contact Gwen or Jeremy at posts at bootstrappers.club or visit our website, anaquim.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thank you and join us next time for Bootstrappers. <laughs>